Hello everyone, this is Sartaj Anand, the founder of Egomonk, and welcome to Business Beyond 2030, the show where we explore the socio-economic and technological revolutions shaping our world, and the role of business in realizing the future. Business has the transformative ability to move all of us from today to tomorrow with a shared purpose. And I have the privilege to unpack complexity with the world's smartest and most compassionate business leaders and decision makers as they deliver on their promise of abundance. We have Sudhir Patnayak joining us today. Sudhir has more than 25 years of experience in software engineering and academia and currently leads Gibraltar's India Development Center. He was previously with Intuit India, where he helped scale the organization from 30 to 1,200 people. Over the course of his storied career, Sudhir has experimented and succeeded across different geographies and domains, such as financial services, aerospace, healthcare, and life sciences. He is a lifelong learner and brings abundant curiosity with him everywhere he goes. So, Sudhir... What's your approach to identifying breakout technology trends and transformations? Thanks, Satraj. It has been largely through reading technology articles as a technologist, right? And my PhD research helps me a lot in understanding and uncovering a lot of technology trends, research articles, a lot of research articles. More importantly, viewing or an opportunity to see a lot of technology demos. That really gives a perspective into what's happening in the technology space, right? And uh, also in my own organization, being part of the CTO staff helps me to get an update on a weekly basis on, you know, what emerging technologies uh, are going around. And we have a culture of technology POCs. So we call it as a sprint zero spike, if you will, in agile terminology, Mm -hmm. where the team is given at least a sprint to only explore technology. Doesn't matter what the outcome is. Yeah, so it's a safe zone. Exactly, very safe zone. For now, as an example, as we speak, uh, we are evaluating a couple of vendors on chatbot solutions, both uh, for international consumption as well as in-country specific. So that gives us a preview into, for example, what are some of the chatbot solutions that are available in Indonesia or in Brazil or in Korea but that, that need to be deployed in those countries, right? So that gives me a very practical view into technology trends and helps me stay connected. So what does it take for you to become a believer of a technology trend, right? There are so many shifts happening. What do you bet on? What do you avoid betting on? How how do you come to that realization, that conviction? True. I would say as long as it meets the um, cost constraints and time to market, any technology or solution that comes close to solving for both cost and time to market and finally adoption. I would say the solution must be so seductive. I will use the word seductive that instead of us going around and asking everybody to adopt, it must be so seductive that they come and ask for adoption of the technology solution that you are building. That's Mm -hmm. my dream. And I teach engineers that way, saying, build it so that it looks so attractive, right? Rather than going around and asking, please adopt. 
So so if it's too far away from the or too far away on the Gartner's hype cycle, you're not that interested, right? <laughs> not yet. So it's really great when the upside is realized, when you win on that bet. Um, how do you sort of personally deal with being wrong? Uh, being wrong with technology is kind of hard because those costs catch up, the effort catches up. So how do you deal with that? I am a I am an optimist, firm believer in making things work. So to me, there is nothing called as wrong. I would rather take it as that I learned something and then move on to explore more options. At the end, there is got to be an upside in any technology evaluations we do, especially I think in this of in this age of technology where there are so many open source solutions and commercially available solutions. It's important for us to have that rapid innovation mindset, quickly prototype. If things don't work out, move on, move on to the next solution. And I think it's a very startup mindset, right? And uh, adopt and go. So, so failure doesn't bother me at all. I think the environment must be conducive to allow you to fail, or I would say allow you to learn and then move on. So, Sudhir, Gibraltar launched its uh, India Development Center on July 31st this year. It's obviously not for labor arbitrage. That That's not the point here. So what's bringing Prudential Financial to India at this point in time? Great question. Gibraltar India started its operation on March 11th of this year at our WeWork facility in the uh, Embassy Tech Village campus. It's definitely not for cost arbitrage. You're absolutely right. I think those days are gone, the cost arbitrage. Prudential Financial US, as you know, is a Fortune 50 company and already has its global presence in more than 35 plus countries around the world. With its plan to drive digital transformation in the international market, uh, primarily focused on APAC and Latin America, LATAM, the India Development Center was established given our geo and time zone proximity with these regions in mm-hmm. Latin America and APAC. That was one of the reasons why it was set up. And also, as you know, there is a large availability of talent pool in the country, right? And more so in the Silicon Valley of India, which is Bangalore. Coupled with that, the center's charter is to become the center of excellence to build core platform capabilities that will allow Prudential to go global and expand its international strategy. And uh, that is fundamentally the reason why the center came into existence. The geo-advantage time zone proximity, and huge availability of talent in the Silicon Valley of India. So you've touched on a couple of things that we'll just dive into. I think what I really would want to do is uh, zoom back a little bit and talk about the state of the Indian IT industry. You've been in this sector for a very long time. Uh, It's evolved a lot from the 1990s. You know, we had the captive centers that were just to deliver cost excellence, and and now it's moved on to, to delivering actual innovation. How do you see this whole uh, global in-house center GIC model evolving uh, this next decade? What's going to change? Yeah, thank you. I've been fortunate to be part of this generation's IT workforce, witnessing the technology transformation over the last two and a half decades. To me, it has evolved, as you very rightly mentioned, from being a cost arbitrage center or a pure delivery center, I would say, to truly innovation GICs. And I can substantiate this. You know, as you know, there are so many facts to substantiate what I just talked about, the technology transformation. There are so many innovations that is being driven by GOCs, GICs, 
there are so many evolutions of startup ecosystems, accelerators, innovation uh, or incubation programs in academia, accelerators in the multinational companies, the GICs of MNCs, and moreover, the evolution of startup companies like Ola, Flipkart, Swiggy, you name. Yeah, everyone's mature now. This is exactly. a mature ecosystem. So these are some of the indications of how GICs in particular are evolving by themselves as center of excellence for innovations, as well as hugely influencing the local ecosystem in terms of um, helping to incubate the startup ecosystem in the country. Yeah, we've seen this trend where uh, startups are desirable for corporates for their agility. They want to rather piggyback that agility. And then if solution works, if it scales, then probably even absorb them or do M&A. The maturation of M&A as a part of GIC is really interesting for uh, as a trend we're seeing at least. Absolutely. And you think that appetite exists uh, in the sector now to like, if you can get a product, if you can acquire it at a reasonable cost to do it. It is, uh, in fact, the appetite is huge, especially because I think it depends how fast you want to move in the market and roll out your product. As I said, I think there is a mindset that is very prevalent in the company as well as the technologies today in terms of build versus buy mindset and and therefore reuse versus re reinvent. So I would rather, as a VP of engineering for Gibraltar India, I would rather vouch for buy versus build and reuse versus reinvent. And that's exactly what we are doing. Because if you ask any technologist, they'll always say, let's build first. Because that's what is the passion, mm -hmm. right? But then you can keep on building, but you shouldn't run out of time, right? And, and go late into any market. So we constantly evaluate the buy versus build option and reuse versus reinvent option. And one big thing that is helping these days is the availability of open source solutions. Honestly, I feel if at all I will attribute to any transformation, past, present or future, I think that is the open source solutions. Yeah, I completely agree with you. We've noticed open source SaaS is, is delivering exceptional agility to, exactly. to big organizations. Yes. So you, you touched on this a bit earlier. You, you mentioned how these global companies now want uh, innovation to come from emerging economies such as India. So, Sudhir, you mentioned, right, that these companies are entering India with this mindset of innovation. They want this innovation that's from an emerging economy. What should there be their expectations? What should they view innovation from India? Is um, how fast we can innovate. Do we have the fail-fast mindset? Do we have buy versus build mindset? Do we have reuse versus reinvent mindset? And think of always game-changing innovations. And let me give examples. It is always not necessarily product innovations. I think most of us always seem to think that innovation means there has to be a product innovation. I want to bring a different flavor. There can be a process innovation too. And innovation doesn't need to be big bang. Innovation can be, in my opinion, if there is a delta improvement in what you were doing before to what you are doing now, to me, that is innovation. Yeah, it's incremental. I think if that mindset comes in, and that's what I think even global companies are looking for, because we work on a large set of existing product deliveries, and there is a lot of scope for innovation, process innovation in those products. It could be as simple as 
how can you innovate on improving your software development life cycle itself how can you fix defects faster and how can you roll out changes faster into production and global companies like netflix or facebook you wouldn't believe do thousands of releases in a month and if those companies are able to do i think there is an inherent expectations that companies in india also are expected to you know produce innovations at that level uh, with scale having said that in my recent uh, experience with gibraltar india supporting asia pacific market i have witnessed honestly lot of innovations that is happening in bangalore and we are actually evaluating those companies in the area of marketing automation in the area of content management systems and in the area of chatbot it's an eye opener is that there is so much happening in the in the country and in particular in bangalore and that gives me the confidence that the road road ahead is going to be even more exciting yeah even more exciting you can add devops to that list also devops to that a lot of a lot of action there exactly so have you noticed that asian innovation has its own edge or flavor because we've noticed that you know silicon valley is good at certain breakthrough probably innovation uh, do you think asian innovation has then its own edge uh, something that's attracting all this uh, interest certainly yes with a caveat i would call out is while we think of building solutions for global we must also think of local um i think that perspective misses out most of the time and i think that is by culture we are so used to building solutions for us that we rarely think of building solutions local right uh, and apac is an example and as i said being preview to the international markets in the last uh, few months i'm amazed at the rate of innovation that's happening in these countries and how digital transformation is picking up momentum especially with consumer behaviors changing you know from the days of no internet to information at the fingertip in all aspects of life whether it is economy or social i think to me each country is different uh, like you said sartaj in how we adopt the technology and hence i think the edge is innovating products for local markets is key and they have the natural advantage i think the as i said the key is to think global but play local to just zoom back a little bit again and talk a little bit of alignment we've noticed that enterprise cxos they typically want their indian gic leads to to move away from transactional outcomes they want these strategic outcomes these uh, strategic aspirations to be delivered it's a double edged sword because you want both you don't want either or what do you think is there a disconnect and and if there is how can organizations that are viewing india and, and this remote technology hub model get it right sure no that's a great question and and is very relevant to my experience in the last four india development centers that i have uh, worked on in my opinion i think most gics even today are focused on building products for us markets from the india development centers this to be honest this forces an extended team or an extended organization model or mindset and therefore the focus is more on delivery as opposed to building core products yeah because you're just following a spec sheet because you are an extended team and all you need to do is deliver deliver right i think what we have become is center of excellence for delivery as opposed to center of excellence for products 
what will help in my opinion is to ability to influence the senior leadership at an organization level to build products for india which probably will drive the shift that we are looking for i'm not saying that we do not do or we do not do delivery for us markets yes we do but that has become table stake these days because everyone is much more experienced in global engineering and how to deliver for global markets but as senior leadership if we can influence to build products for india given india is one of the emerging economy that will at least drive an accountability and ownership mindset and a product ownership mindset probably for the first time it's not that companies are not doing there are many companies who are doing but i think there are many companies who can still do it right and uh, this will also probably lead to the gic leads having a voice at the senior leadership table which in some cases we may or may not have and it allows us to play an influential role over time unfortunately as you mentioned sartas today it is skewed towards an extended team mindset with focus on delivering on transactional outcome this segues nicely into my next question which is typically we see this huge digital transformation strategy being mapped out at hq right far removed from the guys who have to deliver it so how how does this model work we have you know we've seen this play out where there are remote multiple technology hubs they all have to somehow come together and collaborate and and work across time zones geographies spec sheets languages all of that everything has to come together to to serve that vision does it work great question let me share my perspective what you said may be true and i said maybe the business strategy yes it is indeed thought through at the headquarter level and planned at the hq level but let's not also underscore the fact that there is a significant contribution from gic leads into the strategy that evolves at the headquarter mostly indirectly but not sufficiently visible that's been my perspective on do we influence the strategy at the headquarter or do we even play a role in in the strategy in headquarter so what this means is that being remote in my opinion many times is an advantage many a times we think uh, it is a disadvantage take gibraltar india for an example we are remote from the headquarter we are based in uh, india but we have the time zone and geo proximity advantage which actually helped prudential in the us to announce us as a technology center to deliver for international markets of prudential what this means is there is no other center of prudential that has this ownership to deliver for international markets so sometimes being remote is an advantage you can inherit a mandate that's <laughs> exactly. not obvious yeah exactly So you touched on the fact that you've been working in the technology space for almost 25 years now. You had the, you know, good fortune of working across organizations and geographies, working in a global extended team. What's been that experience like? Does does it actually help improve the final outcome for from a product perspective? Yes, I love the question, um Sartas. I would say in fact it does bring in more diversity into the thought leadership. and helps in innovating and delivery i have had the opportunity to work with uh, product development centers like you mentioned in israel uk us over the many years and the most recently in apac 
I can vouch honestly that the experience and diverse thinking that these centers bring into product development is just phenomenal and amazing. I think it brings a one team mindset and over the years my experience says that it has blurred the boundaries if not anything. And therefore the collective experience, think of it four locations working, distributed development model working remotely with different time zones. Those are all to me operational challenges in building product. But the real value of working in a distributed development environment as one team i think is the collective power of diverse thinking that comes into product we've actually seen that trend uh, particularly in ai where we've noticed that diversity prevents biases exactly. to creep in to prevent the um, subfunctional ai absolutely so if you have this distributed teams model which is a, a reality it, it has been for a while now how do you design a, a culture at the organization level that thrives how do you make sure that this one team mindset per, you know pervasively uh, expands expands no good question i think it depends on the outcome we want to achieve uh, for example if it means that the outcome requires us to distribute work across the development centers then what we typically do is we chart out an organization model to start with and that is followed by a detailed i would say operating mechanism or a governance model and it is always the governance model that aligns everybody in the team towards a single goal so arriving at the right governance model is the key to answer your question and at times of course there are challenges on time zone there are challenges on cultural diversity in each country but so far my experience is those are the initial challenges but once you deliver a product together as a team from there on honestly it becomes a joy to be part of a multicultural team and i have seen passion kicks in from v1 will be the toughest one but v2 onwards it's a pleasure yeah because have, it builds momentum in it builds in trust it builds in credibility and and that one team mindset kicks in and we are going through right now is i'll give you a simple example of we are delivering for korea there is no team called a scrum team in india there is no scrum team in korea it's a single scrum team people from both countries are part of that single scrum team and that is what as you said brings diversity into thought builds confidence helps teams on both sides to be sensitive to the cultural aspects of each country right and that is what helps in product development in my opinion to zoom into you you were employee number 1 right at uh, gibraltar india i think it's it's such an interesting position to be in because you kind of have to force yourself to have a entrepreneurial mindset you have to, you are number 1 it's almost like starting up how how did you approach this uh, blank canvas great question thanks in my 25 years of professional career in in the it field it's for the first time that i had the opportunity to become employee number 1 i have always been of course under 30 number 30 but never number 1 that feels great personally so employee number 1 to start the india development center for prudential us and you use the right word called it's a blank canvas honestly it's a blank canvas right from establishing the center to working with local partners from legal compliance payroll accounting 
you name it site administration site operations to another level to hire great talent to the center and help build a great technology center it becomes an all in one role where you get to experience the startup mindset like you said while at the same time being part of a large enterprise a 50000 people company with a revenue of 65 billion and a fortune 50 and that has been the most exciting part the other interesting part of the role was the charter to establish as a center of excellence and work with leaders in the international market to define the product road map and execute on the road map i think it's it's a rare combination on one hand you build the site on the other hand you have an opportunity to work with the in country leaders to deliver for those countries you finally get the opportunity to talk to the stakeholder who's going to use it exactly and so far to be honest it's been a fulfilling experience and i'm looking forward to the center making bigger impact to the company strategy in the international market so you mentioned some of the upsides already are there any downsides like were you scared were you excited like what are the downsides to such a powerful mandate there is only upside you know why because you said since it's a clean canvas right there is only learning and learning i would say and i wouldn't say there is any downside except for the fact that on one hand you have to hire and attract exceptional technical talent to an unknown entity or brand in india while at the same time the roadmap is evolving in parallel for you to deliver for international markets that's the only challenge everything else is a plus and a learning as i said and one of the upside i want to particularly call out is our ex- operations in vwork i think which helped us to ramp very fast without any hassles from a facility and workplace perspective besides it's a personal learning for me what it takes to be in a co-working space and and that's been uh, very exciting let's just go back to the moment when sort of you were approached for leading uh, gibraltar's uh, india development center how did you think through this uh, opportunity and and obviously you must have built out this alignment right with the larger enterprise the the folks who approached you how did you have that conversation to to pull back the veil a little bit to answer your question what attracted me to join gibraltar india development center was for three key reasons sataj first it was my first opportunity to become the site leader for the center and start from ground up clean canvas second was gibraltar india was not a known brand in india and i took it as an opportunity as opposed to a challenge to build the brand for the company in india that was the second one and third was the charter to own engineering for delivering to international markets as opposed to operating as an extended organization for us based teams these are fundamentally three reasons what attracted me to gibraltar india having said that to answer the part 2 of your question on alignment all the three points that i mentioned required leadership to influence and align the corporate from a functional and product development perspective and uh, as you mentioned previously it's a clean canvas and a rare opportunity to draw the future of the company in india and a few key things that i started was to understand what's the existing strategy of the company both from a business and technology perspective so that we leverage what we already have and not reinvent the wheel and build from scratch that is the area where i needed alignment with the corporate otherwise uh, the role involves working independently with the in country leaders 
across international markets, define the product roadmap, set up a scrum team, and then work with uh, the country leaders to deliver on the roadmap. That's accountability ownership that I have. Where the alignment is needed is, on one hand, you can buy or you can adapt and go. So understanding the company's assets, right, wherever we can reuse, was where I alignment was needed. Yeah. Because if I do not know, I may make a wrong decision to buy. And at the same time, you just buy doesn't mean that it allows you to move fast. You have to integrate, right? Whereas if the tech asset already exists within the company infrastructure, it's much more easier to move fast. What I'm getting is vision was sort of built into the opportunity. It's just that the methodology is where you want the alignment and, and that just needs a lot of, I'm guessing, honest conversation and some time. Absolutely. Not so easy conversations. You touched on this earlier as well, that, you know, Gibraltar India has grown from employee number one to, to I think, what, 24 right 35 now? 35 right 35. We, we can't even keep count. <laughs> so it, it keeps growing. What what does it take to scale up so quickly? You mentioned that, you know, you've sort of, uh, WeWork supported you in taking the facilities uh, operation out of the picture. But what else does it need to keep growing at such a pace? Yeah, it's been an exciting few months and time well spent to attract great talent to the organization, while at the same time, you know, not lose sight on building products. Honestly, it can't be uh, more exciting than this. I'm proud to inform that all of our hiring till today, the 35, has been through word of mouth. And um, which, in my opinion, today is one of the most powerful tools in the business is word of mouth. It's always great to work with people that you have worked with, you know, worked before. And also the fact that them having trust in you and join you to define the next chapter of great for the company. And I think that is fundamentally the reason I was able to attract 35 people to join me. Not easy. It needed time for me to convince them, you know, mostly my ex-colleagues on the inception of the company, its charter, its vision for the future an opportunity to make bigger impact. So you may say, how did we ramp up so fast to 35? The key I would say was to first put in your place your leadership team who believed in you and the company. And I think from there on, it is probably a multiplier effect to achieve the scale. I I completely believe in this, that if you hire well, then they are magnets. They attract talent. Because we've noticed that there are so many companies trying to define such a clear EVP. And in this case, it's a developing uh, EVP. It's a developing strategy. You don't even know what you're signing up for. What you're signing up with or who is the determining factor. Correct. Are these good people? Uh, Am I aligned to work this hard with these people? And will we deliver the goals together? And it sounds like that's the sort of environment you're building at uh, Gibraltar. Absolutely. As you rightly said, um, Sartaj, I think India is, in my opinion, hub to some of the best engineering or technical talent in the world and you would agree, and specifically Bangalore, which is being referred to as the Silicon Valley of India. I love this. So you think of it in an environment where we source the same talent within the technology space, it becomes important for me as a leader to build the network, stay current with technology trends and developments in the tech industry, and also remain socially very active to be visible amongst friends and colleagues in the tech ecosystem. To be honest, competition is tough, especially in the product and technology organization, because everyone is vouching for the same set of talent amongst these uh, companies. And to make it more complex, 
it has been compounded with the evolution of startup ecosystem so having a great environment great work culture attractive benefits path to career growth and most importantly the work which forms the core of everything do we do today but let me emphasize one thing to answer your question of how do we attract high quality talent in such a hyper competitive environment especially in the last decade or so i have noticed that most companies have a good work culture most companies are competitive in terms of compensation and you have freedom to do what you want to do you have a good work life balance all of that but my observation in the last decade has been it is the work let me underscore that i think that that drives these engineers or developers and more specifically the millennials honestly for them work life balance culture is probably secondary i think what drives them is the type of work i would say so if you can articulate in your vision the type of work that you do which provides them with a huge learning opportunity trust me they'll come and join you otherwise there are many startups right there is no reason for them to go to a startup they can go to an established company but they go and work for startups fundamentally for the work that they do yeah they believe they will do the best work of their life exactly. at that organization so in my opinion the gics must drive towards defining or getting the work that the younger generation loves to do and this is where going back to your point right i am hoping that in some time to come it will be a combination of delivering for excellence and building products as opposed to only delivering for excellence thanks so much sudhir for joining us on the show today we we appreciate you taking the time out and and sharing your thoughts thank you sartaj for the opportunity you are doing a great job you know by bringing all the thought leaders in the industry and i really appreciate your efforts egomonk is an impact publisher bringing organizations closer to the communities they want to serve and the leaders they wish to influence we combine insight context and experience to deliver asymmetric outcomes and are driven by our goal to positively impact a billion human lives by 2030 if you'd like to collaborate with us then please visit our website egomonk.com or send me an email at sartaj@egomonk.com and if you like this episode then please do share it with others and consider rating and reviewing us wherever you listen to your podcasts